Thank you for listening to the audio podcast of the King's Crossing Church of Christ. To learn more or subscribe, please visit our website at kingscrossingcoc.com. It is really nice uh, to be in here again with you. Uh, it'll, it's been a couple of months since I've been able to preach while talking to human beings. Most of the time I'm looking at a webcam on my computer in my you know, spare bedroom office area. It's about two feet from my face. And so it's just, even though I can't see if you're smiling or frowning, I can at least see your eyes, and that's an improvement. So uh, it's good to be here with you. Uh, we are um, getting closer to the end of this series that we've been working on uh, throughout the summer in and out of quarantine called Built Together. Uh, we're basing that series title off of uh, a passage in Ephesians chapter 2, the way that God is building us together into a dwelling place for the Spirit is what the church is, that we're the people of God, that the Spirit of God indwells. Along the way, we've spent several weeks talking about giftedness, uh, the way that uh, every person has something that they're able to contribute. Uh, God's gift to us is that none of us is useless in the church. All of us have attributes, we have talents, we have knowledge, we have abilities that enable us to contribute to the kingdom of God and that God is willing and excited to work through us in our hands and through our imperfect efforts is one of the great compliments that he's ever paid humanity. That God could do everything, he doesn't need us, but he delights in working through us and with us. And so after we spent a few weeks talking about giftedness, uh, right now we've been talking through our congregational core values. We spoke about the importance as a congregation of wanting to be a church who stays focused on Jesus. Uh, we take that name on our sign seriously, that we want to be a church that really is of Christ. And if people were to encounter us, that would be something that is obvious to them. Uh, we want to grow in our knowledge of Jesus and in our love for him. We also spoke about wanting to value the diversity of households present among us. Uh, something that's a bit more rare these days is that we are a congregation with, with multiple generations of people. We're not just focused on one particular niche group, but instead we've tried to be a church where we have many generations within families that are present with us every week. We want to value people of every age, every ethnicity, every kind of background, those of you who've been raised as Christians, those of you who are brand new to Christianity. We want to be a church that values everyone who comes through our doors. Last week, I spoke some about kind of a hybrid between points number two and three, that we want to value every household, we want to develop a mission mindset, but that we want to start especially with our own household, uh, that we want to be intentional in our families and in our households of trying to cultivate our faith. And in fact, if you missed it, I made a, I made a download available. It's on the, the resources a section of our website under downloads. Uh, it's a little thing you can work together as a family to think about some ways you want to grow in your faith as a family. But this morning, I do want to talk about the importance of each of us having a mission mindset. That is one of our goals, that every family in this church would understand that God's mission is my mission. God's mission is our mission. The passage that we're going to spend most of our time on this morning comes from 1 Peter, but I wanted, to, I wanted to start actually in Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. 
Hatred stirs up conflict, but love co covers over all wrongs. I think you've heard me talk before about, uh, I think it's important to think about what is my effect? What is your effect? When you're around, does it lead people to greater peacefulness and clarity? Or when you walk in the room, is that when all the conflict starts? When you're present, do people feel comforted? Do people feel inspired to live better and to be better? Or do you have the effect of dragging people down through your presence? Proverbs lays out these two paths of living a life that's characterized by hatred. In fact, Andy's comments a few moments ago really tie in well to this passage. We have a lot of people in the world who are primarily driven by what they're mad about or what they think they hate. But if we're driven by love, love is not seeking to condemn. Love is seeking to redeem. Love is looking to cover up what's been wrong and to turn it into something better, into a better direction. And so as we talk about mission and the importance of every household wanting to have a mission mindset, one thing that, that mission does is that mission is kind of looking at every person and saying, you know, there's something redeemable about everyone. There's something good about everyone because all of us bear the image of God. There's something about that person that if I were to nurture it and to cultivate it, it could grow into something beautiful and useful to God. Mission is interested in seeing people experience the mercy of God, that I don't want to see anyone be condemned, but I want people to get free from these things that they're carrying, especially the unnecessary burdens that the world places on us, where you have to prove yourself to so many people or win so much approval or achieve all these things or possess all these things that wouldn't we want to see people freed from those mentalities that even as you are, even if you own nothing, you're already God's beloved child. And in knowing that, we should be able to operate from a place of wholeness and peace. Just like the Apostle Paul experienced. He said, I can have everything or I can have nothing, but because I have God's love, I can do all things through the one who strengthens me. Mission is about being a person who is driven by love and having the courage to do what love would require of us. That should be the filter for every decision that we make. Is this what love would look like. In my encounter with this person, is that the thing that love would inspire me to do? So again, I ask, what is your general effect on the world immediately around you? We're going to spend most of our time this morning in 1 Peter chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, you're welcome to turn to 1 Peter 4. Uh, I've got several verses here that I think help bring mission into focus. In verse 7, he says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of a mindset, that is, and he uses one word. I'm going to kind of tease out some of the nuances of this word. He says, be of a mindset that is well-balanced, self-controlled, and sober, so that you may pray. So again, he's using a single word, but it has some different nuances and different ways that we could translate it. So, well-balanced, self-controlled, sober-minded. When I think of those three phrases, in, in my head, at least one word that pops up would be the word intentional. That as a Christian, you want to be an intentional person. You want to be thoughtful about what you're including in your life and how you're including it. What is the balance that you're striving to achieve? What is the purpose you're striving to live for? You want to be intentional and thoughtful about those things. 
you want to be ready to step up to the challenges or the opportunities that come your way because you're being intentional about all the things that you're doing. But what fascinates me about this passage is that it reminds us that as we do all of these things, it's fundamentally, he says, because we want our prayers to matter and our prayers to be heard. These days, prayer gets tossed around as if it's nothing more than a thought. We say, I'm going to send you my thoughts and prayers and kind of say one's as good as the other. But, but no, in the Christian faith, we believe that when we pray, praying might actually be some of the most important work we do as a church. I think as we've seen some great blessings in our congregation over the last few years, I really believe a lot of it is the result of us praying fervently, asking God to show us what we should be doing. But he says you want to be, be sober-minded, you want to be focused and intentional because you're going to be praying, and it matters that you pray, and it matters what you pray. I think he would invite us to be praying specifically about God's mission and our part in it. God, I'm looking around me, and this is what I'm seeing right now, but Lord, I need you to show me what you see. Show me the things that you want me to see. God, here's the things that, that I'm trying to do. God, here's the things that we're working on. Would you give us the wisdom to accomplish this? Would you give us the wisdom to know what's best, what's most worthy of our efforts? God, here are the things that I'm concerned about. Here's the person that I'm noticing and I feel like I need to say something to. God, give me the courage to reach out. He says we want to be this intentional person because our prayers, therefore, become more intentional. And a prayer is not just an empty thought. A prayer is a direct connection to the creator of the universe who loves us, who lives within each of us through his spirit. He continues in verse 8, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And to do kind of the same thing I did with the last verse, I want to tease out a couple of these words a little bit with some of their nuances. And so I might would reword the passage if I were to expand on it in this way. Above all, let your love for each other be earnest, eager, constant, and unfailing. The way that we love each other should be earnest, it should be eager and enthusiastic, it should be a constant and unfailing thing because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without complaining, displeasure, secret talk, or whispering. Those are some of the ways you could use that word that Peter has used. As we do these things, we do them without complaining, without displeasure, without secret talk, and whispering or murmuring. And so if it is love, as Andy said, it is love that drives us one of the things that love leads us to is that love leads us to mercy, to mercy, to hospitality. It's Peter's encouragement that, that love should be what fuels our action. Above all else, make sure you stay in the love of God and dedicated to practicing the love of God. Reflecting on young children, it, what makes it possible for them to learn well, children achieve so much better when they know that they're in a household that loves them. When you know that the love of your parents is something that is for you unconditional, when you've got people in your life that are gonna love you no matter what, you're therefore not as afraid to take a few risks and to put yourself out there because you've got a foundation you know is going to be solid. So you push yourself and you try things and you do things differently. 
And I think the same's got to be true for how we win people to Christ. When you're discussing with someone who has no background as a Christian or only a weak background as a Christian, I can tell you there's always this sense of, yeah, but the church, those people know so much more than I do, and I don't know the language, the words to use to talk about stuff, and I don't quite know how to act, and I don't want to embarrass myself. We have to create such an environment of love that they're going to know that even with a few blunders, our love is a foundation that will weather those things and let them grow past those things. Love is so important. Uh, it, it leads us to be merciful and graceful toward people. When we show mercy, mercy creates a healthy soil where faith can grow. Mercy creates a healthy soil where faith can grow. When we know we're going to experience merciful love, we have the ability to try and to expand and know that we're not going to fall or have people turn their backs on us. It's also why we don't murmur and whisper and complain or grumble because it undermines that confidence. Peter continues in verse 10. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. We've already said a lot about giftedness over the last few weeks. Peter picks up on that here, just as Paul does in Ephesians. But love leads us to mastery. Love leads us to mastery. As a Christian, it is totally okay to have certain things that you gravitate toward and certain things that you're good at. It is okay to have certain things that really just don't fit you very well that you struggle with. It is okay to have areas that you get especially good at. We've been talking about how within the church some people are gifted as visionaries. Some people are good at being that word of challenge that invites us to be better and more holy. We have some who are especially sensitive to newcomers in the faith and reaching the lost. Some who are so good at loving and nurturing the people who come through our doors. Some who are gifted as teachers, as ones who help others to learn. You know, whatever it is that you are, whatever your gifts are, if you're operating from a place of love, it makes you want to get better at these things that God has given you. God's already gifted you, but you want to grow in that giftedness. One of my favorite quotes is from uh, Gary Holloway. He was one of my uh, professors uh, a couple of times uh, throughout my education. But when uh, I took a course with Gary on uh, spiritual formation, you know, the spiritual disciplines, and this is a quote from him that I wrote down. He says, you know, practice allows you to do what you cannot do by merely trying. And I remember his example was, you know, when he's got... Uh, a little bit more of a gut than I have. He said, can I run a marathon? The answer is yes. Can I do it today? The answer is no. So what's the difference? The difference is the amount of practice that I put in. And in fact, he's one, as he talks about, you know, prayer and reflection and all the things we do to grow spiritually, he opts not to call them disciplines because he thinks discipline sounds like such a negative word. He calls them the spiritual practices. 
Because when we pray and when we're reading scripture and when we're intentionally enjoying fellowship with each other, we're practicing being the kind of people God wants us to be. But through practice, more better things become possible. Love leads us to mastery because we practice growing in good things. He continues in verse 11, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. I don't know who said this, but I think it's a good quote. Someone has said that the fundamental problem that the world has is a worship problem. That everyone in the world is busy worshiping the wrong things, whether it's their own ego or it's their possessions or it's other people's approval. We get caught up in worshiping something other than God, and our task as Christians is to drawing people back into worshiping the one thing they should be worshiping. We want to, as Peter says, we want to see God be glorified in all places. We want the worship of God to be prevalent everywhere. So thinking back over these verses, I want you to see this progression of thought that I think we find under the surface here. You would say that love ultimately leads us to mission. Because I love, I want to help. Because I care, I, I simply do, I just want to help. And because I want to be helpful, I strive to get better at what is actually helpful. And because I've been shaped by my loving dedication, I can make an impact. And in all of the efforts that I'm making, God is glorified. In my loving, in my growing, in the impact that I make, God is glorified through these things. So reflecting on mission, we've spent some time this morning in 1 Peter. There's a passage in Jude that, to me, pretty amazingly corresponds so well to this passage we've been looking at. So I want to read you a few verses out of the book of Jude. I want you to notice all the points of correspondence as each, each of them, both Peter and Jude, talk about God's love and it driving us to mission. Look at some of the familiar themes that show up. He says, but dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. There's that worship problem. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying, there's the emphasis again on prayer, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So Jude is pointing out a lot of what Peter is pointing out. There are going to be plenty of people in the world who just don't get it. They'll meet our faith with either scoffing and laughing at it or all out resisting it, but he says, as for us, we've got to continue being built together. We need to build ourselves up. We need to pray fervently, remaining in God's love so that we and those around us get to experience the mercy of God. Jesus himself pointed out in his parables that there are different types of soil. Some people you're going to reach out to are just not in a place yet that they're ready to hear. They don't have ears to hear. Later on they might, but we're always seeking those whose hearts are at a place 
where they're ready to receive the word. I also find Jude's imagery here very striking. He talks about snatching people from the fire. When you think about this fire that consumes, it's not just about punishing people, but in fact, it's about once things are burned up, they are no more. Everything goes away. So you think about a person's life and all the potential that each of us has made in God's image, all the things we're capable of doing that are good things. What a waste to see us remain away from God, to use all our talents and our energies and all the days of our lives for things that are worthless, that don't bring God glory, that don't bring true fulfillment to us in our lives and God's purposes in our lives. He talks about snatching people from the fire. I think you might could think about it just the same if you were walking down the road and you saw a bus that was moving quickly towards someone who was standing in the road, what might you do? If you don't have time to talk, you just try and grab them and you pull them out of the way, right? This is the image he's using. You've got people who are in harm's way. You want to pull them out of danger. But what's great about being the church is that we're not only pulling people away from something, we're actually trying to bring them to someone. We want to snatch them from what could harm them, but we're trying to bring them to Jesus, who means them nothing but good, who wants to give them mercy and peace and healing. We're trying to lead them to a better way. So God's love leads us to a lot of good things. God's love leads us to mercy, that we create a hospitable place where faith can grow. God's love leads us to mastery, that we want to get better and better at doing good. We want to grow in that all the time. Love ultimately leads us to mission because we want others to receive all the same blessings that we have. We want for God to be glorified in all places.